is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, joining us is Bram Weinstein. He is one of the voices of the Washington Commanders broadcast team. Joining us to give us some insight on uh, what Jets fans can expect from Washington. So, um, first things first, uh, you know, let, let's talk about this this Washington Commanders team. And uh, the season just has not gone according to plan. Uh, that's for sure. Um you know what what has happened here this season bram um the story of the season is the defense like it this is that's a surprise for us like they were number three in the nfl a year ago they have the statistical statistically worst defense in the league this year um and it's really a shock and then the trade deadline came around the defense was broken they've traded away two of their former first round picks um so obviously like a reboot was beginning um, both of them had expiring contracts. So only one of them was going to get paid. We kind of knew that going in with the other two, Jerron Payne and John Allen having been paid. But to answer your specific question about Sam Howell, like the defense was supposed to kind of keep the offense afloat while Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy kind of got together and on the same page. And there were a lot of good moments with Howell early. And then the last few games, there's been a regression for sure. Like he got benched for the first time. His completion percentage has gone down in four straight games. Um, they haven't really been able to unlock Terry McLaurin in recent weeks. They haven't been able to do so with Jahan Dotson throughout the entire year. Um, and so it's been kind of up and down um, throughout the course of the season. But I'm with you on how in terms of his experience level and what his future may be. But the real question is, you know, what does the next group think of him? And we don't know who the next group is. We don't know how high the draft pick is going to be. So his future really is very much in question. It's going to come down to what others think of him who come in the door. Right. And we'll, we'll, let's, let's get to that in, in just a second. Uh, in, in regard to this game that's before us, uh, the Jets rolling with Trevor Simeon, not Zach Wilson. And is, is there? do you think that there is a sigh of relief with that Washington Commanders defense, that it's not Aaron Rodgers this week? I think it should be a sigh of relief for you guys that he's not going to try to do something that might jeopardize his future. Right, <laughs> right, uh, right. So, you know, so um, obviously, you know, like, I know nobody up there is crying for us with our offensive issues this year because it hasn't been nearly as bad as it's been for New York. Um, you know, my point of view is, you know, while Simeon hasn't played very much, hasn't been there very long, you're probably in better hands, frankly. Even from what I saw last week, just kind of command and experience, you're probably in better hands. But this thing screams of an extremely low-scoring points in a premium game. Washington's offense hasn't run very well. We do score points, but like we're not gaining a lot of yards. Hal is going to start. His completion percentage is down. We've had a hard time in recent weeks against very good defenses. Obviously, the Jets have a really, really good top-tier defense. And with Trevor Simeon and the way that the Jets' offensive line is running, at least what I see on film and watching them, I, I mean, it's almost like first one to 10 is going to win this week, in my opinion. Um. So, so 
you know, let, let's let's talk big picture here, right? So now you've got this Washington team. Wow, uh, talk about a difficult schedule. It's it's going up against the Jets, um, but then the 49ers and the Cowboys. So if yeah. the season is the season was to end today, Washington would definitely pick in the top five. In fact, they would pick at number four, as you said. Uh, really, uh, question marks in regard to who the coaching staff is going to be. Ron Rivera. A lot of people expecting him to be out. But Eric Bieniemy leaves Kansas City to come to Washington. What do you think think happens with Bieniemy? Do you feel that, that he's someone who that they would seriously consider for the head coaching job? Like, what do you think happens there? Um, I don't know the answer to the question to that because the ownership group has kept everything really tight to the vest about who would be the GM, what they think of the coaching staff in general. They have promised that they would allow Ron Rivera and his staff, and he runs the front office as well, a full year. And they've kept that promise even amid the record that nobody really expected to be this bad. So they've given him the year. There was a change in the middle of the season with Jack Del Rio, but the defense, you know, had had really underperformed to such a degree that something had to happen. Um, and with Eric Bieniemy, I, I would put him in the category now with Hal of the unknowns. Like I could make a case because Hal is a top 10 passer in terms of passing yards. He also has, to put that in context a little bit, he's thrown more passes than anybody else. So there's a lot of volume here. This this at times, this team is a 70-30 pass team, which that's a whole other conversation about whether they're built and with the experience level of the quarterback, whether that's the right way to go. And that could be part of the problems offensively and why they're up and down. Um, but there has been good moments. And if you are trying to make a case that Hal has developed and shows promise as a franchise quarterback, then you have to credit Eric Bieniemy for part of that as well. So I don't know the answer to it. I, I, you know, my gut tells me there's going to be a lot of change and that it's hard to envision really anybody coming back, but without the ownership group really weighing it at all, it's hard to know. And I do believe that Eric Bieniemy probably will get a say in the room and we'll probably try to explain why, you know, he should continue working with Hal and probably only as the head coach. The question is, will they be open to that? And it, it's just we're a few weeks away. And honestly, they've leaked nothing about anything to this point. You know, I, just, I find it interesting. I think he, he felt that he needed to get out of the the, the umbrella of Andy Reid to seriously get considered for a head coaching job, uh, goes to Washington. And, and then, of course, now is in this situation. Uh, again, Bram Weinstein joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. The Jets at home, favored by three. The over-unders 37 as Washington and Sam Hell come to town. Um, Bram, how do you see this game playing out? Um, you think Washington wins? Like, give us, give us the game script. I'll tell you what's funny. Like, I'm waiting for if Washington wins all the nasty tweets from people saying Christmas was ruined because our draft selection will go down <laughs> to the bottom of the top five um, if they were to win. Um, I The Washington defense hasn't stopped anybody. Um, every single number one receiver has had a huge day against them. So I, I, I would figure even with, the, uh, you know, whatever number quarterback the Jets are on at this point and a Horus offensive line. Washington's been incapable of getting a lot of pressure. So I don't love a matchup with Garrett Wilson. When you have a number one, a true number one receiver, they've lit them up every week. Um, Washington's edge defense has been rough against good explosive running backs. The Jets have one of those too. Um, so it's going to take some mistakes, I think, for Washington to end up winning because I don't love our matchup. We're missing our starting center. We're missing our starting left tackle. Brian Robinson is not going to play this week. So offensively, like we talked about earlier, they're struggling. 
and their offensive line is now makeshift against a very, very good front. I mean, I just smell an extremely low scoring game. I, I don't really see a path to either team unless there's mistakes or turnovers scoring a lot. So this is something that's going to be, I don't know, 17, 14 and, and, you tell me. It's probably the team that makes less mistakes. Yeah, like I just, I'm, I'm not touching this game with a 10-foot pole. I just, I don't know, you know, you don't know what you get from Simeon. Um, you know, how hard was this Jets team uh, really trying to win, pushing to win, uh, although they didn't do a fantastic job of doing so, hoping to stay alive so that they could get Aaron Rodgers back. Now reports are he's not going to play, even though he's part of the, the active roster. You know, I, I don't I, I just I, I don't have true conviction on on this on this matchup. I just don't. So uh, your guess is as good as mine. That's why I have you on the show. <laughs> you know, I will say this. I mean, like this team has played hard, you know, like the scores don't look good against Miami and Dallas. But last week against the Rams, they really woke up and they played hard. And there were a couple of. Gasly, I mean, we, we had to cut our long snapper because he skipped a snap back to our punter, which gave up points at the end of the half. Um, so that was a close game. It could have gone either way, frankly. So, you know, Washington's playing hard even amidst knowing that the season is over. So I expect them to show up and play hard. So the question is, you know, are they facing against top tier defenses? In recent weeks, Sam Howell's had a lot of turnovers. Uh, like last week, he was pulled because he had, and, and in your audience and Jets fans will appreciate this, he had his seeing ghosts game last week. And that was against a defense that, in my opinion, doesn't qualify anywhere near the capability of what this one is. So I'm concerned, you know, like, and obviously the commanders want to roll with how they want to give him every opportunity to prove his value heading into next season. So this is going to be a heck of a bounce back for him um, up there. Windy environment, hostile environment, really, really, really good defense. Uh, we're going to find out what he's about this week. Bram, thank you so much for spending time with us. Really do appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you and yours. You too, Anita. Thank you. All right. I want to thank Bram Weinstein for joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. When we get back, it is week 16. A lot of storylines in and around the NFL. So when we get back, uh, we will dive into that. Also, the playoff picture becoming more and more clear. AFC, NFC, uh, all that still coming your way. New York game day here on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. It is New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, it is time for Around the League, brought to you by Telemore Dew Irish Whiskey. And again, uh, to bring you up to speed on um, on. on on what's going on with, with some of the, the players out there. C.J. Stroud not expected to get the start for the Texans today. Trevor Lawrence will 
He did pass concussion protocol. Will Levis not expected to play for the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill expected to play for the Titans today. Um, also, Kadarius Toney is out. Michael Pittman is out wide receiver-wise. Uh, Watson for the Green Bay Packers is doubtful. And um, and I think that is it right now. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, Anita Marks, and you, of course. Again, around the league. Mike, let's we, talk about the two best. Go ahead. I thought we were having Imani call in from uh, the Pickleball Academy in this segment. So, so in all honesty, if if if, if Amani is at some pickleball academy, <laughs> then he'd be in Seattle. Do you know Seattle is the the birthplace of pickleball? Really? Yeah. Did you know that? I did not know that. And do you know why it's called pickleball? I have no idea. Because the man who invented the sport, uh, he had a dog named Pickle who kept on stealing the ball. Really? Yeah. It's a true story. That's why it's called Pickleball. His dog name was Pickle. So, of course, you know, I'm, I, now I really love this sport, uh, considering that. Uh, let's talk about the two best games on the slate today. Uh, one a little bit later on at 4.30, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Miami Dolphins. Miami favored by two and a half at home. The over-under is 48. Uh, listen, both, both, neither of these teams, Mike, have been able to beat teams that are above 500, right? So I'm calling this the Pretenders Bowl. Uh, I've got to lean towards Miami just because I think their rushing attack is going to have success against Dallas's defense, and Dallas does not play well on grass, and they do not play well away from Jerry's world. So I have a lean here for the Miami Dolphins to win, and I think they have to win after Buffalo won last yesterday, and that AFC East division is for the taking now. Your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, um, you know, we touched on it briefly, but I think the key of this game is going to be Dak Prescott. You know, and, and you know, Jalen Ramsey, Zayvon Howard. So I, I think it's Tony Pollard and Jake Ferguson have big games for Dallas. Um, but that's really the best way to help Dallas's defense. They're really built to play with the lead. You know, after Vanderesh went out, it's Damone Clark and it's um, Marquez Bell. You know, they're small in their front seven. And Miami does run the ball well. Give them credit. You know, they're more than just Jalen Waddle and uh, you know Tyreek Hill. So. We'll, we'll see how this goes, um, but I, I think um, this should be I, – I just don't think Dallas is going to play poorly two weeks in a row. I think this is going to be a really, really good game. I think this is going to be a great game. My play here is the over uh, at 48, uh, but I'm, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a great game, a real, really fun to watch as folks get ready for their Christmas Eve um, and then, of course, the other, and many would feel that this is the best game on the slate this week, and that's Monday night, Christmas Day evening, 8.15 is kickoff, the Baltimore Ravens out west taking on the 49ers, 49ers favored by six at home, the over-under is 46 and a half. Um, Lamar Jackson came out this week and said, uh, you know, I, I love when people underestimate us and don't give us a chance to win. It only fuels my fire more. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have to put on the Superman cape and, and have an epic Lamar Jackson game in order for them to beat the 49ers. And we know he can do it. We've seen him do it before. Um, I, I like the over in this matchup as well. I, I, I'm not comfortable with a side here. What say you? Uh, I think a lot's going to depend on Ronnie Stanley. You know, last couple of weeks, Anita, I don't know, like, just for our listeners, um, typically you'll see a skill player rotate in and out or, you know, um, like a secondary player rotate coming off of an injury. I don't know if I've ever seen an offensive lineman rotate the way they've been rotating him. He's a great player. 
you know, obviously he's not 100%. And I think he's the key of the game because of that 49er pass rush. And if he's not healthy, I think it's going to be really hard on the Ravens. Any, and, and let's actually let's let's talk about the game that you're at. You've got your finger on the pulse of this Detroit Lions Minnesota Vikings game better than most. I like Detroit in this spot. Um, you know, they're, they're, and it's really interesting. Their next three games are all in a dome. A lot of people feel that they just don't play well. Uh, you know, with the outside elements, but their next three games, two against Minnesota, are in a dome. But this one particularly, uh, who do you like here and why? You know, I, I like Detroit. You know, it's Jerry Goff against uh, Nick Mullins, right? And uh, Justin Jefferson's back. He came back a week ago. Obviously, that's going to help. Brian Flores has done a really good job. It's really interesting, Anita. Like, Minnesota's defense is fun to watch. They either send six or three. Like, it's like feast or famine with them. Um, but defensively, they played better. Uh, it should be a really good game. And I know we're talking about, like, the, the NFC North here. I mean, you know, if you're Detroit now, like, conceivably the only playoff game that can have elements would be an away game at Philly. You know, San Francisco, the weather's not bad. Dallas is, either, you know, basically like a dome uh, with a retractable roof. Obviously, if you play anybody in the south, if they're going to be at Tampa or New Orleans, no weather issues there. So, um, you know, the only place you're really going to have elements this year in the postseason would be a road game at Philly in January. Interesting. Um, some Some interesting games today with playoff implications with backup quarterbacks, right? The Colts in Atlanta with Gardner Minshew, who's been great. Uh, if you think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to lose to the Bucks today, which I do, it even opens the door more for the Colts to potentially win that division. Mike, do you think they do that with Gardner Minshew at quarterback? Yeah, I, I doubt it. I just don't know how they score enough points with Michael Pittman out. Um, they've been a great story. Um, Shane Steichen's done a, an amazing job, and I know Trevor Lawrence hasn't practiced much with concussion protocol. I, I like Tampa as well, but um, I don't know how the Colts score enough points to get to where they need to go. Okay, um, but you you have them going to the, the the postseason though, correct? I think so. You have them I making think, it as a wild card. I think so. You know, I was shocked. I thought Jake Browning. He had been playing better. That first interception he threw, I, I, I just, he's a good player. Like, he threw the ball to two Pittsburgh Steelers. There was nobody else in the area. Like, it was shocking. Uh, yeah, very, very uh, uh, disappointing game for, for him in Cincinnati. Most points that the Pittsburgh Steelers have put up. Surprised uh, that they waited this long to go to uh, Mason Rudolph? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, last but not least, you've got the Cleveland Browns, backup quarterback and Joe Flacco, engineering their way. I don't believe they win the division. I think that's for the Ravens to win, but I do believe they get into the postseason. And unbelievable, Joe Flacco has to be part of that comeback player of the year discussion. Not that he wins it, because Hamlin, of course, has played in two games. I think for sure that's a done deal. That's a lock. He wins it. But boy... Um, if the Hanlon situation would not have happened last season and, 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 and of course, being such an, an unbelievable story, I think Joe Flacco would really be in the running here for comeback player of the year. Your thoughts on this game against the Texans without C.J. Stroud? They're going to roll with Case Keenum again. Yeah, I, I, I saw something online. I think Case Keenum and Joe Flacco started against each other like 14 years ago. Like, there's some crazy statistic like that, Anita. So um, I agree. No Stroud, I think that's going to be really hard in Houston. 
Absolutely. Again, around the league, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple blended, triple distilled, triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Make sure to grab a Tullamore Dew during today's action. And remember, when it's game time, it is Tully time. All right. uh, We come back. We heard from Bram Weinstein with what's going on with Washington. Uh, When we come back, we're going to hear from Dave Spadaro and what's happening with the Eagles as they get ready to take on the Giants, not once, but of course, twice in the next three weeks. So that next right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, back to New York Game Day with Amani Toomer, Mike Tannenbaum, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. We had Bram Weinstein earlier. Now we've got Dave Spadaro who's joining us. He is part of the Eagles broadcast team. As we know, the Eagles get ready to take on the Giants to, on Monday uh, and will face the Giants two of their next three games. But Dave, let's start with this. The Eagles started off strong, looked good, but man, 49ers, Cowboys, and then to lose to Drew Locke in Seattle? What gives, Dave? They were living on the edge, really. Um, they were 10-1, and 1, yes. But the some of the key numbers were down. Uh, the turnover ratio is always a critical number. They've been in the negative for much of the season. They have been trailing at halftime for much of the season. They've been coming back and showing resolve, and Jalen Hurts has been cool and made the comeback, and that's great. But they have not been anywhere near the team that – was 14 and three last season and it caught up to them and they played two really good teams in San Francisco and Dallas and got it handed to them. Um, very, very difficult stretch of games here, a road trip out to Seattle, a shocking loss to the Seahawks on Monday night. And so they're 10 and four now and they're looking for the answers and, you know, there's still three games left in the regular season. It's very unlikely that they will be the number one seed in the NFC. They had a good grasp on that picture. But, um, you know, they have not – the defense has struggled all year to get off the field on third downs. Jalen Hurst has not been as dynamic running the football. So, um, it, 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 it's, it's true, yes, 10-1, and one, clicking on all cylinders, not true. Uh, but the fact – I mean, a team that's sitting at, at 10-1, and one, um, you know, uh, they were, as you said, really in, in a good position – Unfortunately, losing the last three, not so much. Uh, Jalen Hurts came out this week and used the word committed. I, I think that surprised a lot of folks because one thing that, you know, when, when you think of Jalen Hurts, team player, locker room guy, I, I think that surprised a lot of folks. I, I explain to what you what you think he meant by those comments. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he tried to explain and certainly explained it as best he could on Thursday um, and said that he kind of used the we in the uh, royal sense, meaning he, and um, if that makes any sense. Uh, I, I, I don't think that Jalen said it exactly the way he wanted to say it on Monday. Um, I think that it was a very frustrating loss for everyone, and so maybe it came out a little bit uh, clunky. And I think everybody's okay giving Jalen Hurts an ex- kind of a pass on this one because he's been so perfect. He said all the right things. Nobody questions what he thinks of his teammates or the commitment that he puts forth as the leader of the team. And I think there's been a lot of conversations in the locker room this week. And I think the players, the, the sense that I've gotten all week is that they've moved on from it and are hoping that this is the kind of incident that brings them together, that brings them closer but um, he certainly had to explain it on Thursday. He did so. 
And we'll see what it means as the Eagles move into the, you know, the stretch of the stretch, the final stretch here in this regular season. But I don't think it's going to be anything lingering, Anita, unless it's a really, really abysmal final three games for the Eagles. I I think that everybody recognizes what Jalen is, how just well he has used his platform and and just kind of how he's treated his teammates for these three seasons. So one post-game press conference where everyone, everyone was frustrated and it didn't come out right, I think he gets a pass. Uh, let's talk about this offensive line. Um, what's going on with Dickerson? I, I know right now I, I saw he's listed as doubtful. Um, what can we anticipate this week against, as we know, a very blitz-happy Giants team uh, with Wink Martindale at the helm? Yeah, it looks like they'll get so. Uh, it looks like they'll get Cam Jurgens back at right guard and Dickerson unlikely to play with the broken thumb. Tyler Steen, a third round draft pick, likely to be the starter at left guard. And you're right, that is the concern of a really good dynamic front from the Giants. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, awesome off the edge. They move him inside. Dexter Lawrence, powerful inside. Um, the, the Giants will go after Hurts, but it's interesting because I think watching the way defenses have played the Eagles this year has been the most kind of revealing thing in terms of Jalen's play. Defenses are content, it seems, Anita, to, in a sense, mush rush him and and come in and take away as best they can his ability to run with the football, to be dynamic as a runner and to make him stay in the pocket and throw against zone defenses. And that seems kind of counter to what Wink does. So it's either going to be Wink is going to bring his game or he's going to modify his game or whatever. But I think it's a really um, revealing chess match to watch late Monday afternoon, how the Giants attack Jalen Hurts. I mean, it, the, the anomaly of the schedule is that the Eagles haven't seen the Giants until here we are in week 16 um, mm-hmm. and then two times in three weeks. So it'll be very difficult for either team to sweep this series. But I think that by and large, the way I think what teams defensive coordinators did in the offseason, they really studied how to kind of go after Hertz. And instead of blitzing him, they've done it at times, no doubt. And in the middle blitz has given him some, some trouble. But for the most part, they've kind of stayed back on him and dared him to win with his arm. Dave Spadaro joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, He does a phenomenal job covering the Eagles for their broadcast team. Um, uh, Let's let's break down this tush push for me. Uh, The the brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. No team uh, can really stop it. Uh, It sounds like the NFL and Roger Goodell want to get rid of it. Um, I I I disagree with that. I don't think that is the indication is going is is clear. It seems from Troy Vincent this week that they are not going to get rid of it, and I don't know why they would get rid of it. Um, it is a perfectly legal play. The Eagles execute it really well. They've got they get a great push from the offensive line led by Jason Kelsey, the center. Hertz gets low. He's got incredible drive with his legs, something that most quarterbacks don't have. And you're right, it has been unstoppable. And I do not see a scenario where the NFL's committee uh, competition committee out- outlaws this. There is nothing illegal about this play. Um, if they make this illegal, they will make every every ball carrier who is pushed forward in any capacity by any teammate 
illegal. And we see that a lot through the league. And I just think that that is a larger Pandora's box than the NFL wants to get into. It may not be aesthetically pleasing, but it sure as heck is effective. I love it. Um, I love watching it. I find it fascinating and I find it quite amusing that it can't be stopped. And I find it quite amusing that other teams can't emulate it. So um, I, I certainly hope that it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, last question for you before we let you go. Matt Patricia, is he calling the defensive plays? That's what's being reported. Is he the defensive coordinator? What's going on with this defense? Uh, but, but talk about this defense and, and what Matt Patricia's role is now. So Matt Patricia is calling the shots on game day from the sidelines, but Sean Desai remains the defensive coordinator in title. So what does that mean? Um, not quite sure yet. It, it's a defense that, look, I think it's very difficult to judge the Eagles defense based on Drew Locke. And if anything, it was very disappointing that the defense gave up a 92-yard drive in the final two minutes against Drew Locke. So uh, what will they do against Tommy DeVito? I think the first thing you want to do is limit his ability to win with his legs. Um, and then number two, teams have been attacking the Eagles with quick throws, middle of the field attacks. It's been very successful. The defense has been really struggling to get off the field. 32nd in the league in third down defense. So uh, these are areas that are measurables. Uh, red zone defense has struggled as well. Uh, the takeaways, Philadelphia has had minimal takeaways. I think six of them um, in the in the interception department this year. Uh, they're at a minus six in the turnover ratio department. Um, but the key is winning with the front four, front five against the Giants offensive line and getting to DeVito, putting pressure up on him and making him throw some balls up for grabs. The defense is hopeful to get back their nickel cornerback, Avante Maddox, who was injured in week two. He's a really good nickel cornerback slot corner. Uh, that would be a big, big addition for the Eagles in the big picture. Um, and then when you're playing the Giants, you're worried about Saquon Barkley. So we'll see what kind of plan Patricia has for Barkley. But yeah, it is a shocking midseason move. And it happened last week. And uh, Patricia met the media this week, was grateful, humble, very appreciative. Um, there seems to be no ill will in the coaching ranks. They've handled it nicely. What does that mean for the football team on the field? We'll see. The Eagles play the Giants twice and the Cardinals once. So they have three games to kind of get things straight defensively before they go into the postseason. You know, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, the Eagles are still favored to win the NFC East over the Cowboys, um, you know, obviously because their schedule is a lot easier than the Cowboys. That's for sure. They're going up against the Miami Dolphins. Um, uh, Dave, always great having you on, my friend. Thank you so much for your time and previewing this matchup for us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anita. Happy holidays to you, and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, Anita, that brought up a lot of interesting points from Dave. You know, the NFC East, to me, is going to come down to the final couple games, and our own New York Giants here are going to have a meaningful say uh, in terms of what's going to happen. You know, nobody wants to be swept by their division rival. You know, earlier in the show, we talked about what the Dolphins did to the Jets, and the Giants are a prideful group, so I expect them to play them tough. Um, you know, I don't think Tommy DeVito is one of the 32 best quarterbacks on the planet, but should he come back to the Giants next year as part of a group? Absolutely. Uh, maybe he could be, you know, a bonafide number two quarterback as they search for, you know, a long time um, 
quarterback, knowing that Daniel Jones, between his injury concerns, exorbitant salary, uh, lack of production, is, is probably not the long-term answer. So if I'm the Giants, next couple of weeks, I want to be uh, competitive against the Eagles, hopefully you know, get a split and you know, learn a lot more about uh, Tommy DeVito than we know today. And as far as the Eagles are concerned, you know, they're tied right now with the Cowboys. It's weird. If both teams win out as of today, I believe the Eagles would actually get the division. That could change depending on uh, strength of schedule. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And we may have some time here for some callers as uh, I'm hosting the show right now from a very noisy uh, US, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Uh, our number is 1-800-919-3776. That's 1-800-919-3776. And again, just to go over the current standings in the AFC East, uh, as everyone knows, Dallas and Philadelphia is tied. Um, and the next three games will tell the tale of you know who gets the home game and who goes on the road. Uh, and then as it relates to uh, the conference, you know, a lot of things are still uh, yet to be decided. Uh, but both teams will certainly make the playoffs uh, right now. Uh, again, if the playoffs started today, Dallas would actually be the two seed. Philly would be the five seed. That'll change, obviously, depending on the last three games. Uh, Seattle right now is the eight seed, so they'd be on the outside looking in. And obviously, the loser of the Tampa Bay-New Orleans battle for the South will also be out Um and in all likelihood, what we'll have is that five seed, uh, call it Philadelphia or Dallas, the loser of the NFC East, traveling to the winner of the NFC South in the first round last year. Dallas went on the road and actually was the road favorite to beat Tampa Bay. Um, I think we could be in a very similar situation where the road team, the NFC East loser going down to whatever team it is, Tampa or New Orleans, would probably be favored in that game. And then really what could be uh, setting up to be really interesting is a potential first-round game of Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams going back into Detroit to play the uh, the Lions. That would be an unbelievable storyline. So uh, we actually have a caller. we got Joe in New Jersey uh, if you'd like to join the show. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. Um, I just wanted to call and I listen to you a lot. On uh, some of the other stations, uh, I'm a longtime Carolina Panther fan. I just wanted to see, I know it's kind of off New York sports, but what your insight was as to what they need to do from the top down to fix things over there. Um, a lot of stories about ownership and, and office stuff. And Anyway, you, that's what your, you know, your, your forte is, so I figured I want to see your insight on, uh, on what they could do to maybe get themselves back into relevancy. Yeah, appreciate the call, Joe, and happy holidays. Uh, look, I was a big Bryce Young fan. He's a guy that is a full-field quarterback and has really good uh, movement skills in the pocket. Uh, it really starts with two things. They need another offensive lineman or two, and they really need a bonafide number one. Adam Thielen's actually had a good year, um, but he, he's not a front-line difference maker. They don't have their first pick overall, which is obviously hugely consequential. That'll go to Chicago. Um, and their owner, David Tepper, is a really interesting guy, very, very su- successful guy, uh, hedge fund investor, and he was a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time. And the interesting thing is the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three coaches in 54 years, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and obviously Mike Tomlin. And I think in the same period, Dave Tepper in like three years has had the same number of coaches. So to me, it's about stability, Joe. Build about Bryce, build 
around Bryce Young. Believe in your process to identify him. Ignore the C.J. Stroud comparisons, which is obviously easier said than done, and, and move forward from there. And, um, you know, the, the, they've had, a, obviously, a terrible year, but the good news is they're in a division that doesn't really have a clear-cut favorite. Baker Mayfield's on a one-year deal. Derek Carr has been disappointing uh, in New Orleans, and Atlanta, you know, obviously doesn't have a quarterback either. So if I'm Carolina, I actually may have the best quarterback position of those four teams. Um, we're going to go to a break here in a minute, but uh, again, the number, if you guys want to call in, speak to Anita or I, is 1-800-919-3776. That's 1-800-919-3776. We'll be back in a couple minutes. This is New York Game Day, presented by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Slowman's low prices, zero sacrifices. For 100 years, Slowman's has been a staple in home comfort. Call 1-866-OIL-DEAL. And by Nissan, you deserve a car that thrills you. And Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store at Nissan.com today.